Welcome to Widowcast Podcast, where you'll find the strength to get through your journey and the skills to coach other widows to do the same. This is not a grief group. This is your journey, and it just may show you the way to make something amazing come out of the emotional pain and trauma of your loss. I'm your host, Joanne Philomena. I'm the best-selling author of the book, Widowed, and of The Widow Coach. I'm also a professionally certified life coach. Let the healing and the personal journey back to who you are begin. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back, you guys. This is episode 97 being recorded in September of 2018. You know, I think I need to start adding the dates with these episodes because I realized that sometimes people are listening to a podcast that was recorded two years ago. And, you know, I may have talked about something or said, you know, go to this website and you can download something from me and it may not still be there after two years. Um, and the truth is it's impossible to go back and edit old podcast episodes to take out information that's no longer relevant. I mean, I'm sure there's a way to actually go back to an episode that was two years ago, edit it and re-upload it. But what it would take to go through all 97 episodes of this. I would have to listen to every single episode to hear what I said and edit it. It would just be impossible. It would take me a year just to update all the episodes. We can't do that. We've got to move on, people. We've got new stuff to talk about all the time, right? So um, today... You know, sometimes I see something that just sends me off on this whole tangent of thought, and then I think about all the things I want to tell you guys about it, and I just had that happen. Um, so today I want to talk about a meme I saw on Facebook, and if you don't know what a meme is, M-E-M-E, -E, it's um, on social media when somebody takes a nice graphic picture and puts some text on there. We'll get to that. First, I want to talk about um, a couple things. One is uh, tomorrow we're starting the last Widow Coat Certification class of the year. Um, the next class that I offer will be in 2019. Sounds so weird, 2019. It'll be in January. And I will be opening the doors for signups for that class probably in another two months. Right now, uh, I'll just be focusing on certifying these widows and working with this class. I'm so excited. Many, many in the class are from the 12-day challenge I did on Facebook, which was amazing. I loved it. I know a lot of you were there, got a lot out of it. I may do something like that again in, in another month or so. I don't know if I'll do a full 12 days again, but we'll see about doing another little free challenge on a Facebook group. And I'll try to talk about it here in advance on maybe my next episode or the episode afterwards so that we can get as many of you as possible into the group on Facebook to do it for free. It's also a great way to kind of get to know who I am, what widow coaching is, all that good information. 
So we'll do that. And what do I have coming up? Oh, before coming up, I just want to say, you know, I do have a permanent group on Facebook. It's called Widowed Book Club. If you search for Widowed Book Club, you will find the group. You can click join. I'll add you. Unless you your profile looks like you are um, not real. <laughs> How do I explain that? If you're on Facebook and you're a widow, you probably know because probably you get friend requests from these guys that if you click on it and look at their profile, like they just joined Facebook like yesterday and they all say that they're like, I don't know, working out of a consulate or they're working on oil rigs and they went to college at some Ivy covered, it just, you can tell they're not real. So, and I do for the Widowed Book Club, I kind of make sure that you are actually a widow and a real person before I put you in there. But go, click join. I'm sure, I will know who you are. I will see and put you in there. I just want to talk about um, the atmosphere of that Facebook group because there have been some comments recently in there talking about this. And it makes me so happy because it's exactly what I wanted to create in that group. You know, there are lots of widow groups on Facebook. Um, you can find them, but they are really kind of, what can I, how can I say this? They're really kind of a downer, right? Sandy posted in our widowed book club group saying, I'm so pleased to have stumbled into this place. Because she notices in the group, people can feel free to voice their fears and disappointments and sadness, but there's no whining in the group that folks don't seem to be looking for a place to just feel sorry for themselves, but they're looking for a better way. And that's not just me, you guys. It's all of you that come into this group with kind of a more positive attitude, right? She was saying the other groups for widows, she found some almost competitive in everybody telling their story about being a widow, but trying to make it sound like it's sadder and more tragic than the previous one, which that might sound a little harsh, but I know what she means. I know what she's talking about. She says, and heaven forbid you should process your grief differently than one of them. They tell you you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I can't believe somebody would tell you you're processing your grief wrong. How could that be, right? Yes, and she says the Widowed Book Club is extraordinarily special. Sandy, that's the way I feel about it too. It is really close to my heart that I could create an online group where widows can come together and be supportive of each other and share their journeys in a really more upbeat, realistic way. I don't want to say upbeat because, you know, we're not upbeat all the time and we don't expect everybody to be upbeat all the time, right? Even in the best of circumstances, even before I was widowed, I was not upbeat all the freaking time. I have my days, ladies, <laughs> and I'm sure you do too. But the group, I agree, feels more real, feels more like a place where you can work through an issue with other widows and feel totally supported in doing that. It's so good. So good. Um, 
And then what else? Okay, what's coming up later this year? I shared on Facebook, and I know you're not all on Facebook, so you may not have seen it, a new logo that was a W with two C's, and that is for a website that I'll be launching in about a month called Widow Coaching Center. It's been my dream to actually build a coaching center that widows can walk into. Um, I think that is so badly needed in this country. We don't have much of anything for widows. And how amazing would it be when you lost your spouse if there was an actual place that you knew was the Widow Coaching Center and you could go walk in there, you could find out about working with a coach, you could maybe find out about taking a yoga class there with a widowed yoga instructor, and you know it's all going to be widows. It'll be a totally safe place to go do a little yoga a couple times a week just to move your body a little bit, stretch and, and feel the community of other widows. I want to build that. I want there to be centers across this country. I don't know how I'll ever do it. I don't know how that could happen, but I just keep putting one foot in front of the other, you guys, and we'll see what happens. So my first baby steps for this is to build it online. All right. The Widow Coaching Center will be a membership site. There will be a fee to sign up. And when you sign up, you will have availability of a whole bunch of different videos on different subjects, coaching, talking about things. Um, there will be a Facebook group associated with it for community. I will be going live in that group once a week to support you guys and answer questions. After the initial sign-up fee, after that first month, then it's a really low monthly fee because each month new content will be added. Um, it's just kind of an ongoing membership thing and a learning session, a way for you to grow and, um, walk this journey and walk it with other widows being supported. That is so important to me. Anyway, on to what I want to talk about today, which was this meme I saw on Facebook. Okay. And today we're talking about money, kind of. Because the meme is like split down the middle. And on one side, it says wealthy. And on the other side, it says average. Now, I might argue that because I don't know if average is right. We should be wealthy and maybe not wealthy. I don't know. But it says things like on the wealthy side, it says reads daily. On the average side, it says watches TV daily. On the wealthy side, it says set goals. On the average side, it says never sets goals. Um, wealthy side says compliments. Average side says criticize. Wealthy says embraces change. Average says fears change. Wealthy says forgives. Average says holds grudges. Wealthy says talk about ideas. Average says talk about people. Wealthy continuously learn. Average think they know it all. Wealthy take responsibility for their failures. Average blames others for their failures. And as I said, I don't think the average side really is the average person. It's kind of below average, <laughs> if you ask me. 
But here's the interesting thing about this meme. And I see a lot of truths in this meme. I do. But what fascinated me more than anything was the comments on this meme. Now I didn't post this meme. I just saw a friend of mine share it. And then I clicked on it. And from the person who posted it, there were like thousands of comments. You know how these viral things go on the internet. And the comments were like displaying every possible limiting money belief out there was amazing. So I thought, I want to talk about a few points on this meme. And I also want to talk about money beliefs because so many of us were raised with money beliefs that we've never even thought about, analyzed, looked at, like we've just continued to carry those same beliefs through our life. And then there may be things that were ingrained in us when we were kids by parents or teachers or friends, TV, who knows, you know, maybe one of the overriding money beliefs is that extremely rich people are bad and evil people. You know, we have Ebenezer Scrooge and, you know, examples like that. And it always fascinates me when I see people make statements that really cling to this image of anyone who is wealthy, like they either were born to it or they got it by evil means and that they're evil people and they're hanging on to all their money bags and they don't care about other people. None of this is true. What a horrible thing to think. And the reason it's a horrible thing to think is if your brain has that kind of belief ingrained in it, then your brain will prevent you from ever making more money. Because who wants to be greedy, evil person who doesn't care about other people? None of us want to be that. So there's like this discord in your brain, right? This dissonance, this is thinking dissonance. Because if you think, you know, I really need to increase my income because I'm barely getting by here. Your brain will immediately undercut you. No matter what you do to try to increase your income, you will subconsciously sabotage yourself because you don't want to be an evil, unfeeling person. Now, Ben, the truth is, if you make more money to support yourself, you're not an evil, unfeeling person. Oh my goodness. I know people who are very wealthy and not one of them is really evil and unfeeling in any way. As a matter of fact, they're some of the most generous, loving people I've ever met. Um, and if you think about it, people like Bill Gates, Bill Gates, does he ha- like have more money than anybody else on the planet? I think it must be close. Or at least it was at one time. I know they've given a lot of their money away. They do a lot of charitable, charitable things. And do I think because the Gates are extremely wealthy, billions of dollars built the Microsoft empire, do I think that they're evil, bad people and they don't have friends and they don't have love in their lives? They don't have all the things that we value over and above money? No, I'm sure they have a wonderful relationship, people who love them, good friends, good times, take care of their health, right? 
we all know love and friendship and our health, and these are all the things that are truly important to us. And I think they're truly important to Bill Gates and Mrs. Gates, right? So it was interesting to see the comments. And I'll go over some of that with you. And why is it so important for me to talk to widows about money? Well, I'll tell you, every one of us, I think, goes into some kind of financial freak out when we lose our spouse, right? Maybe not all of us. I have spoken to widows that said, fortunately, I did not have that issue, that we were set up pretty well. I have, you know, his retirement coming in from the company he worked at. We had great life insurance, all of that. Awesome. Awesome. But most of the widows I talked to really, no matter how much money they do have coming in or how much money they do have, they go into financial freak out because we just lost. Oftentimes it's like we've just lost half of our household income, maybe all of our household income. If, if you were not working yourself, maybe your spouse was the full provider. For me, I had been laid off just a few months before Jim passed away which turned out to be a gift. I didn't know it at the time, but it was a gift because Jim was retired and those few months before he suddenly died, we got to spend all our time together because I was not working, you know, 40, 60 hours a week. Um, I don't think I ever worked 40 hours a week. It was probably closer to 60 hours a week at the corporate job. Um, but we had all that time together. But the double-edged sword was I didn't have a paycheck coming in at that point. And then he suddenly died from the massive heart attack. And I really felt guilty. I remember this because he had just died. I was really trying to figure out the money situation and, you know, how long was I going to last? Because I felt like I would be a bag lady in six months. And I think that's what we all think that we'll be living under a freeway underpass in six months. And I remember thinking, how can I be so callous sitting here worrying about the money when I just lost him? And I really want to just be sitting here and mourning that loss, you know, but the financial fear kicks in right away. So I know it's important to talk about money beliefs because there's two kinds of, of widows, maybe three or four. All right. There's more than that. We are all very different, even with all our similarities. But there are widows who will, after they start to come out of the fog a little bit, I mean, not immediately. We can't. We're in a state of shock. Our brain doesn't function right for a while. Um, but they come out of it kind of starting to take charge and rebuilding and figuring out what they can do to go forward, especially financially, right? And then there's the percentage of widows I talked about that really are okay financially, and they can pull that together pretty quickly. But there are quite a few widows who become so paralyzed in their pain and grief, they can't even bring their heads up. And their fear of the financial situation is so great that they don't even want to think about it. And by not thinking about it, they do nothing. They take no action at all. And they lose their homes. A lot of them lose their homes. It breaks my heart 
when I talked to a widow that was so paralyzed, she didn't, she was unable to take any steps to make sure she was going to be okay. And she couldn't pay the mortgage and they ended up foreclosing on the house and she loses everything rather than being able to see, okay, I'm not going to be able to make these payments. I need to do something, maybe sell the house, move into a small apartment, a smaller condo, whatever I can afford after getting out of the cell of the house. If you cannot wrap your head around money because you're so afraid of it and you have so many limiting beliefs about money, then yeah, you can really be in trouble. And the other reason this connects so strongly for me, and it's a very personal reason, it's because when I first started learning about money beliefs and started looking at my own thoughts around money, I was shocked at how many limiting beliefs I had, how many thoughts I was thinking that were really just wrongheaded, limited about money. And it took me a lot of thought work, a lot of looking at my own thoughts and questioning my own beliefs to work through that. So let's talk about some of this. Let's talk about a few points on this meme, because I think there's real opportunity to learn and grow here, right? On the meme, it talks about setting goals versus never sets goals. And the last thing that we want to think about right after we lose our spouse is goal setting. And you know, if you've come to this podcast and you've only just become widowed, oh gosh, go back and listen to my early episodes because I talk about that whole first year as a widow. And I know you're not ready to set goals right now. I, I hear you. Um, but if you have reached a place now where you know you need something more on a day-to-day -day basis, than what, what is going on right now, you need to set a goal. You need to think about what it is you want. That's the first question. We don't even know what it is we want. We spent so much time being a couple and living our life centered around our spouse and our spouse centered around us. And we had planned everything for the two of us. We have not sat down to think about what do I want? What kind of goal do I need right now? Maybe the goal you need right now is a new career, or it could be just as small as I need to go through his desk and go through the papers. And that's so hard to face. But if you set the goal of doing it and break it down into little tiny increments, you'll be able to do it. If you never set goals, then you are really not going anywhere in your life. Our goals, I always talk about it is, I think I've said this before on the podcast too, but what you want is hugely important because it's the GPS for your destiny. What you want is like the GPS for your future. Once your brain locks into a goal of even a little goal, it's like setting the coordinates in your mind and you start moving forward towards that goal. If you have no set goals at all, you're not moving forward towards anything. And it's so important. We have something that we're moving forward towards. It's the reason we get up in the morning, right? Um, 
the meme talks about compliment versus criticizing. And now this is interesting because when you compliment others, it makes you feel good too, right? Crazy. I mean, an honest compliment. You don't want to just like be over the top making stuff up. But if you give an honest compliment to someone, it makes you feel as good as it's going to make them feel. The opposite happens when you criticize. That's like putting poison into your own stomach criticizing other people. And I know people who criticize other people harshly, it's usually because they criticize themselves so harshly. They're hard on themselves. And that's not a good place to be. Compliment yourself. And complimenting versus criticizing, to me, it's a little bit like learning what jealousy is and what it does. If you're jealous of something somebody else has, it's because you're feeling the lack of it. And being in a place of lack is no good in your life. You want to be in a place of abundance. You want to be in a place of being grateful for everything you do have right now, right? Find that gratitude, even if it's one little thing. And when you come from a place of gratitude, more comes to you. If you're in a place of lack, then you just create more lack in your life, more wanting in your life. And that doesn't feel good. And one day when I realized that, I realized that I could celebrate the somebody else's success because if they were successful at something, it means I could probably be successful at that too. That's such a more exciting place to be. When we see another Woman, if you see another widow and she becomes hugely successful at something, oh my goodness, celebrate her. Like tell her, congratulations, this is so fabulous. Let's open a bottle of wine together. This is so good because her success means you could do that too. You could have that success. She's just the forerunner demonstrating something for you. And it keeps you in a place of abundance thinking. You're not in a place of lack. You're not like, why does she have that? And I don't. You could say, wow, look what she got. I could get it too. That's kind of the same as compliment versus criticize. Another thing that the meme compares is embracing change versus fearing change. And now I'll tell you something about that because embracing change doesn't mean you don't fear it. It really doesn't because I've always been somebody that I embrace change. It's kind of a point of contention between Jim and I because he hated change. I loved change. I would move the furniture around the living room every day. If I could get away with it, it would have made him crazy. If I put the spatula in a different drawer in the kitchen, <laughs> It was a huge issue for him, right? But big change, when you embrace big change, usually it brings up fear anyway. So I think the difference there between embrace change versus fear change is we all fear change a little bit, but the difference is some of us may fear it and then do it anyway, because we know the fear is just a natural reaction to change. It's our brain trying to protect us 
but we also know that the change is going to be good. Those that fear change and don't take any action, they allow the fear to paralyze them. They're the ones losing out. And that's the difference between embracing change and fearing change. They're letting the fear overtake any possible payoff from the change and they stay stuck. The meme talks about forgiving versus holding grudges. And this is, this is a big one because, and I know you've all heard, you know, it's better to forgive. We know that, but here's the truth. When you are holding a grudge, that doesn't hurt the other person at all. We hold grudges in some kind of bizarre attempt to punish the other person because they were a total jerk to us or whatever, right? And we just hold that grudge because they treated us badly. And we think somehow we're punishing them by holding that grudge. They can't feel your grudge. Probably they don't care. It does not touch them emotionally. The only one it touches emotionally is you. When you're holding that grudge, you're making yourself feel angry and irritated all over again. When you can forgive the person who wronged you, and it doesn't mean that you're pardoning their action, okay? It's not really letting them off the hook. It's not saying you have to accept what they did to you. No, but you can forgive them anyway, simply because once you can let go of that and forgive it, it releases you. They don't feel better that you have forgiven them. They may not even know you have forgiven them. You don't even have to tell them you have forgiven them. It's just something that you do inside yourself so that you can let go of the ugly feelings you're harboring about it. Right. And now you're not carrying those grudge feelings around with you all day. It's a sense of lightness when you can forgive someone. Uh, the difference between continuously learning versus thinking they know it all. When we think we know all about something, it's because we are, we are leaning on the past. Okay. And I've talked about how dragging the past along with you is a way to just keep repeating what you've done over and over and over again. It keeps you stuck in the past. So when you think you know everything there is to know about something, you're just saying, I'm just going to stay in the past on that. There can't be anything possibly more you could tell me or any new ideas or any new viewpoints. If you are in a place where you want to continuously learn that you can drop that feeling like you're the expert on everything or anything, right? I've gone through this. I'm the expert. When you can let go of that, then you have a chance to really listen and maybe find out something different. That's fascinating. I really experienced this when I was coaching weight loss. I started out as a weight loss coach and so many would come to me and say, oh no, I tried that. It didn't work. No, no, I've dieted before. It didn't work. No, no, I tried walking and it didn't work. And I thought, oh my goodness, just because this thing didn't work in the past doesn't mean it's not going to work for you now or that it won't work in the future. 
I tried to give up sugar once and it just didn't work. I couldn't. Does that mean you will never be able to give up sugar and see what it's like to not be addicted to sugar? Fascinating, right? We do that. I see it when I go into a classroom setting. There's some people that come in there and I wonder why they're even there because they think they've already learned all that they need to learn and that they know everything. And I'm like, wow, you came into this class to learn something, but now you like want to be the teacher, <laughs> right? Or you think you're the expert. When you go into a class, you want to like drop all that to the wayside. You want to be the person eager to find out something new, no matter what it is that you think you already know. When you are continuously learning, you're continuously growing. It's one of the reasons I love what I do. I love being a life coach. I love coaching widows because I constantly, I learn, I learn from my clients. I learn from my students. They bring me new stuff, right? I constantly take more coaching courses. I constantly get together with large groups of coaches because we all inspire each other and learn from each other. And I'm constantly challenging myself to grow more. It is a fantastic way to live. Take responsibility for their failures versus blame others for failures. That's a big one. And I would say not just for failures, but taking responsibility for your feelings instead of blaming your feelings on other people or other things. Because, and if you've been following my podcast, you know that I have always been telling you, your feelings come from what you think, what you tell yourself about something. Your feelings don't jump into your body. Your emotions don't jump into you from outside of you. It's not like this person makes you upset. They can't make you upset. If you choose to think differently about what they just said to you so that you're not upset, they can't upset you. The upset is all about what you made it mean, whatever they did or said, right? So you're blaming, if you're blaming others for how you feel or for your failures and blaming other people, blaming your situation, blaming the government, blaming the economy, Whatever it is you're blaming outside of yourself, that is not going to get you anywhere. When you start taking full responsibility for how you feel and what you do, now you're in charge of your life. Now you feel in control. It's an amazing thing. So let's come on back full circle here to money beliefs, because that's what really triggered me when I saw this meme and what got me were some of the things I read in the comments, right? Somebody said, I know plenty of wealthy people that meet all the criteria on the average side. And I just thought, wow, I really doubt that. You know, they might meet one or two things on that average side, but no, because blaming others for your inability to succeed would never make you wealthy in any sense of the word. If you're blaming others, you're not wealthy in money. You're not wealthy in love. You're not wealthy in friendship because you're constantly blaming others, right? 
Somebody else posted and said, um, this is hilarious, but it does make sense that a meme created to help wealthy folks feel even more superior than they already do would boil it down to this kind of nonsense. Have you catch that? This person believes that wealthy people feel superior and they need to make memes to make themselves feel even more superior. First of all, if they already felt superior, they wouldn't create a meme to make them feel even more superior. <laughs> but the truth is just because somebody has wealth doesn't mean they feel superior. I mean, is this true? Can you honestly believe that every wealthy person in any sense of that word feels superior to someone else? I don't think so. Somebody else posted and said they might have a lot of money, but they're emotionally bankrupt. They have no love of self or others, and they're incapable of that. Money doesn't buy happiness. People who love objects more than people will never find happiness or inner peace. It's just about takes the cake on limiting beliefs. <laughs> and some of it sounds really good, right? But let me get clear about this. When you're thinking along this line, your subconscious mind will never enable you to make enough to support yourself, let alone to make enough to help others. You know, she's saying that people who have a lot of money are emotionally bankrupt. They have a lot of money. They have no love of their self or others, and they're incapable of it. Really? Mother Teresa made in excess of $10 million. I'm just saying. Now, was she driving Cadillacs and wearing diamonds? No, of course she was not. She was making that money for the Sisters of Charity, which was her foundation over there. Um, so Mother Teresa had a lot of money. I don't think she was emotionally bankrupt. I, I have friends and associations who are quite wealthy and none of them display any of this that she's talking about right? They're not unhappy because they have money. They don't love objects more than they love other people. They have a lot of love and happiness in their lives. They're for sure not emotionally bankrupt. Then here's one that is, is really interesting because someone posted and said, truer words were never spoken. Remember, wealth is not only about money, which is true. You know, the meme isn't saying people who have a lot of money versus people who don't have a lot of money. It just says wealthy, and everyone assumed it was about money and not about all the other kinds of wealth. But at the same time, when I read that, remember, wealth is not only about money, I felt like, oh, is this person like trying to excuse himself from having money? It's an underlying limiting belief where you, you have to excuse having money by pointing out that not only 
money means you're still uncomfortable with the idea that of actually having money. It's people maybe saying, you know, um, yes, we're taking a trip to Italy this year, but now listen, we saved like crazy for years to do this. Nobody says, oh no, it's fabulous that we get to go do this. Yeah. It really feels good to have that kind of money. And it does. I'm assuming it does. I have not gone to Italy, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying here. You want to watch how you think about money. Like many of you may be disagreeing with me, but I offer you this. The flow of money into your life has nothing to do with you being a good person or a bad person. It's just money. Money is actually neutral. And it's amazing that we feel anything but neutral about money. But the money itself is actually neutral. And if you equate generating money in your life with evil, bad people, then you will never be able to achieve anything greater in your life because you want to believe that you're good. We all want to believe that we are really good at heart. And if you're holding on to beliefs that conflict with that about money, then those beliefs will keep you from actually having enough money. How often have you read about someone who hit a mega lottery, won multiple millions, only for it all to be gone in a matter of a couple of years? Like, yeah, they won all these millions of dollars and now they're just right back where they were financially wondering what the heck happened negative beliefs surrounding money. When your brain believes that if you have sudden wealth like that, that you're going to be an evil, uncaring person, then your subconscious will absolutely sabotage you. It becomes a critical mission of your brain to ensure that you don't become a bad, evil person. Therefore, the money is lost, squandered, right? So you want to pay attention to the thoughts that this meme brings up for you. Write down those thoughts and look at them and question them because your thoughts are not you. They're just beliefs that you learned along the way. And you want to look at them and say, does it make sense? It's kind of, if you have a cell phone and if you're like me, you try out all kinds of little apps, <laughs> which I do. I read an article about, oh, the best app to buy a new suitcase. I'm like, let me download that and see how that works. At some point, I have to pick up my phone and start looking at all the apps I have on there. And my phone is getting really full. It's slowing down. So I'm going through and I'm deleting the apps that don't serve me. I'm keeping the apps that do serve me that have a purpose for me, but I have to go through and get rid of all the little apps that I no longer use, I no longer need. I'm like, why did I ever download this in the first place? You need to do the same thing with your mind. Your mind is like a computer, just like your cell phone. It's not who you are, but you have programmed it. Oh, my Alexa is going to answer me now. <laughs> because I said computer and that's her wake up word now. 
in your mind, you want to look at all the beliefs that you've been programmed into there along the way of your whole life from the time you were a little kid. You know, we, we've created all these belief patterns in our brain and we've never stopped to look at them again to see if they still make sense for us or not. Are they absolutely true in all cases? Or is this just something you've been thinking since you were a kid and you never questioned it? Right? Money is the root of all evil. Oh my gosh, how many of us have that in our brain from the time we're a kid? And we don't question it. We're like, yeah, money, root of all evil. Maybe not. <laughs> Why are we thinking this? Money is neutral. Can evil exist without funding? Oh, yes, it can. There's a lot of evil being perpetuated in the world, and they do not have money. And it's not for want of money. It's just evil. It has nothing to do with money. So, start taking a look at what you think about money. Do a thought download. You may be really surprised at what comes out of the cobwebs of that computer in your brain, right? Question it. First, do the download. Just write every sentence as fast as you can, what you think about having money, making money, all of that. And then ask yourself for each sentence that you wrote down, is this really true? Is it absolutely true? Does it really take money to make money? I know you've all heard that, right? It takes money to make money. No, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it doesn't. So many people in this country who are millionaires today started with nothing. Yet we hang on to that belief. Like, well, my bank account, I'm not flush. I can't go out there and make more money because I don't have money. What a thing to tell yourself. You have to start somewhere. So look at all those beliefs. Question them. Go find the group on Facebook, Widowed Book Club. You can come in there and tell us some of your thoughts about money. Tell me I'm crazy. I don't care. We'll discuss it. <laughs> we discuss a lot of things in there. And um, stay tuned for more information about the membership site. Um, I'm praying we can get it together in about a month and launch it. I have a lot of work in front of me to do to um, get all the videos made that I want to be in there already so that when you pay that sign-up fee, you've just got like this Netflix of coaching in there. You can go through and pick what you want to learn about. Um, and... Go into iTunes and leave me a review for this podcast. Oh my goodness. Reviews just mean everything to me. I love seeing your reviews. It's kind of a hassle because iTunes does not make it easy. If you're on Google Music Play, I think you can leave reviews there too, although I haven't done it myself because I'm kind of an iTunes girl. In iTunes, you have to go search for my podcast. Even if you're subscribed to it, go search for it like you never found it before and tap on the podcast cover. And then in there, you'll see the reviews that you can tap on and you can tap on to write a review. You don't have to write anything. You can just hit five stars for me, but you can also just write and say hello. Say new listener, long time listener, check in. 
I love to hear from you guys. I like to know somebody's out there and I'm not just talking to my walls. <laughs> Get out there, you guys. Have a wonderful weekend. Have a wealthy Wednesday. Go look at your money beliefs and I'll talk to you again next week. Bye. <laughs>